We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. You can also support the show by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks to everyone who has left a review. I really appreciate it. Now on to my guest for today, Brendan from MasterTalk. Brendan has caught the attention of corporate executives through his YouTube videos where he teaches public speaking skills on his MasterTalk channel, billing himself the youngest public speaking coach in the world, Brendan coaches managers who want to move up in the ranks by teaching them how to improve their communication skills. Brendan honed his skills as a public speaker in college, where he participated in competitions and coached other students. Wanting to find a way to give back, he started recording videos in his mother's basement to help people become more confident speakers. I asked Brendan why so many people fear public speaking, finding out why he believes schools are primary to blame for so many growing up with a lot of anxiety around giving presentations, which often connects to poor communication skills. Being able to quickly tell a story of your business can be one of the most important skills to learn. Brendan shares some of his insights he's learned about teaching others 
to do presentations and telling their stories. Now, let's get better together. Brendan from Master Talk, welcome to the podcast. Of course, pleasure is mine, Jari. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I appreciate you coming on. I uh, seen some of the stuff you've been doing. We've been talking a little bit before uh, we hit record. And uh, I'm just fascinated by your approach to public speaking. Uh, you've got this great YouTube channel called Master Talk, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. Uh, and we'll talk all about all that sort of stuff a little later. But before we get to that, I would love to hear how you got to do what you're doing today. Of course, man. So the short story is when I went to university, I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing football or soccer or baseball, things I never really understood, to be honest. I used that same competitive spirit and I applied it to presentations. So for three years, I presented hundreds of times, coach a bunch of people on communication. Then by the time I graduated and I got a job in corporate America, or I guess in my case, corporate Canada, so based in Montreal, I just asked myself a simple question, which was, how do I make a difference in the world? How do I add some value to people? And I noticed when I was browsing over YouTube that a lot of the communication content that was out there was really bad. So I started making videos in my mother's basement, thought it was a stupid idea. And then a year and a half later, here we are today. Yeah. <laughs> Usually I hear that story. It's like, well, this is probably a stupid idea, but I might as well try to do something with it. Um so, wow. So you're still kind of in the corporate world right now. We don't have to talk about where you work because, you know, they may be, they may be listening. You never know. <laughs> it doesn't matter, I guess. Um, so how do you, how do you approach this public speaking? And, and, and more importantly, I think, you know, the medium of YouTube is of course a huge like platform. I think it's the second largest search engine in the world. You know, a lot of people even tell me, they say, hey, man, you should put your, you know, your podcast on YouTube just for the discovery. Just even if you just put a little page that said, you know, hey, here's here it is, even just the audio. So how do you go about like launching a YouTube channel on how to do public speaking? Yeah, pretty simple. You take a phone, you record something, you post it. That's how most people should be starting their YouTube channel. And I was an exception to that rule. You know, I started pretty young, so I had no budget or money. This is before I started working corporate. So I was really in my mother's basement. You know, I had a little light. I didn't even have lights, actually. I had a little tripod. I put my phone on it. And, I, and my, you know, my first video sounded something like this. Yeah, so, hey, guys, uh, my name's Brendan. I'm from, uh, what's it called again? Master Talk. And that's how <laughs> I, I started, right? And that's my advice to people for YouTube. Right. You, you'll, you'll find out very quickly if YouTube is something you actually want to do because most people give up on their channels fairly quickly. It's very hard to post consistently once a week. Even if I'm just posting once a week, it's very hard to keep it going. So the, the key is you need to realize and understand if this is something you actually want to pursue. And the best way to do that is to keep it simple. Put the barrier to enter really low because the hardest thing to do is really get started. And then after, you know, now I'm, I do crazy stuff. Like I write my content three years in advance and I... I have a full-time editor and I have a full team on this, but like when I started, it wasn't like that by any means. Oh, wow. So, so this is like a little kind of business kind of thing for you. Yeah, I mean, 
you can think of it like the uh, the opposite kind of happened. You know, most people want to be entrepreneurs, so they go like, "What kind of problem can I solve with the world?" It was the opposite. I had no intention of being an entrepreneur or a YouTuber. I thought YouTube was for rich people. Like I was just like, "Why would I ever do that?" Oh, really? honest, yeah, I just, just I was like, I was a kid. I looked at these. I was like, "Why?" So instead, what I did was I wanted to be an executive of a company. You'd be like a senior vice president at some company at like 30, make half a million dollars, have a great family, and then die. I didn't have any. I was like, why would you ever want to be an entrepreneur? Most entrepreneurs are broke. It's true. But it's what true. happened, Jerry, was as I started making these videos, some executives were double, triple my age sometimes, uh, would message me and go, hey, you, you do coaching? I was like, oh, yeah. In my head, I was like, yeah, I coached a bunch of university students. They're like, no, no, no. Do you like coach executives like for money? I just went, what? And I just went, sure. And that what then one email led to another. Now I have like a full, now I coach executives on the daily, right? On their communication skills and things like that. So essentially what I'm trying to say, Jari, is I found a problem in the market without knowing it. A series of weird serendipitous events led to this being that I was the youngest professional speech coach in the world. And now I spend my days coaching CEOs and I started a business kind of without even wanting to, I guess. That's pretty much what happened. <laughs> like the accidental entrepreneur. Yeah, that's 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 very accurate. Wow. Defines so, so so you really are the youngest speech coach or youngest what what exa- I mean, is it speech coaching? I mean, what exactly what is it that you try to do? Yeah, you could call it speech coaching, public speaking coach. I guess I call myself that. I'm not really sure if I am really the youngest, but but I'm but what I've seen in this space, I seem to be. But the idea is simple. So public speaking means, let's say there's a manager in an IT company or a manager in some organization, and their goal is to be a C-suite executive. So that means they want to be a CEO or like a CTO. There's always a huge gap between the communication skills that they need for that role. And this is true with entrepreneurs as well and where they are currently. And then the difference of that gap is what I solve for. So through the videos or through coaching, but the idea is simple. Like how do we get you to communicate your ideas in a way that people are inspired to follow you and want to take action on what you have to say. Hmm. Yeah, that's super important for entrepreneurs, particularly. I mean, I do a lot of this, you know, communication storytelling stuff as my my gig. And uh, what I found with technical co-founders, especially, is that they spend way too much time on the tech and they don't really spend a lot of time communicating well what does it solve what's the job that i do for you how how to how to how to think about it in a you know in an emotional way but in in a way that's going to grab people's attention and so i can i can see that yeah as you sort of ascend up the corporate hierarchy really your job as a as a boss is to communicate the story i mean i i i've never i've never seen a good boss not be a great storyteller. Absolutely. And just building on that, I completely relate to what you said. Like I used to be a venture capitalist. And for those who don't know, VC means like you go check startups out, like technology startups, and you determine whether or not they should be getting funding for their companies. And I would just spend days just looking at technical founders like you just mentioned, just saying, wow, you guys are really good at coding, but you have no clue to communicate the products that you're building. So in many ways, I started the YouTube channel. My goal, like the ideal, I guess, the vision for the channel now is to help the next Elon Musk. So the next Elon, who's like 12 right now or 13, he or she, wherever they're living. Well, if they grew up watching me, 
when they're Elon's age, they won't have to worry about their communication skills. I'll have solved that for them without ever meeting them. And Elon obviously doesn't have time for that anymore. So it's, it's, it's about <laughs> well, helping he, the next he, one. He needs some help on his communication skills. Yeah, but he doesn't have too. time. <laughs> yeah, well, but I think more importantly, he's like such, he's an internet meme, right? I mean, whatever he says, I, I was so funny. I mean, you know, I love, I, I just love his style because- someone was talking about uh, like pricing models, right? <laughs> and he's just like, well, the, the, the Tesla pricing model is simple. It's 420 and 69 and some combination of there. And they don't need any like fancy marketing people. He just makes it up. And it was like, yeah, you're, you're totally right. He just does make it up. So um, I guess you can communicate and, you know, be this sort of, you know, meme generator without having the, the polished skills. Because, you know, when I hear him speak, he's, it seems like he's just shooting from the hip, like way more than most people. So do you, do do, do you, when you coach people, are, are you like giving them a process and a framework to like build up a talk or does it depend? I mean, take me through the process a little bit, because I think it's really important that we, that we, that we spend some time understanding like why communication is important, but, but rather that anyone can do this given the right coach and framework. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll give you the easiest trick in the book that works for anybody when you're organizing a talk. So I call this the puzzle method. Think of presentations and public speaking like a jigsaw puzzle. No, a thousand piece puzzles you kind of put together with your family, which is probably more frequent now since you can't really do anything else (laughs) right now. So if I asked you, Jari, what, what, pieces would you start with first if you're making a puzzle? Oh, I would start with the, the ends. The ends. And why would you? What's the rationale? Oh, it's just they're easier to put together. Right, exactly. Simple. So we start with the corners first. So the question to ask yourselves is why don't we do that in public speaking? We got a presentation in two days at work or at school. So what do we do? We shove a bunch of content in. Right? We're just shoving, shoving, shoving. In other words, we start with the middle pieces first. So when we get to that presentation and we get to that last slide, it sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, so uh, thanks. That's 97% of everything out there, right? So, instead, so true, man. So true. It's so sad. Instead, right. It's sad. And it's super easy to fix. I don't know why nobody talks about this. So much like puzzle pieces, start your presentations in the same way. Work out the corners first. Practice your introduction 50 times, not three times, not five times, 50 times. It'll take you an hour. It's a minute. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? You got it. It's a terrible movie, right? Yeah, Why would you? Exactly. Same thing, 50 to 100 times. You do that for two hours, you'll have presented the best presentation you ever gave in your whole life. And then you'll use the confidence from going, wow pretty good at this public speaking thing this introduction conclusions coming out straight then let's tackle the middle but much like a jigsaw puzzle who does puzzles on their own it's boring there's like thousands of pieces on the table do it with a team you do it with a group of people get your friends your family other people want to practice and conquer the public speaking puzzle yeah it's actually a really good point i know when especially like so, you know, you said, you said you were a VC, so I've presented to lots of VCs and then also mentor uh, entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, you know, they only have to have weird names like me for me to mentor them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Um, but it's funny because you're right. It's like, 
the slide deck some monstrous 27, 28, 000, I mean, 100 slide deck that's just this almost like you know, vomit on the page. Like, <laughs> you know, You're I mean, describing this better than I do. Well, this but because it's true, because I mean, I remember p- part of what I do, you know, in, in JSY PR and marketing is I take this word salad, you know, pile of what whoever knows what it is and try to like hone it down to 10 seconds. Right. And, and, and it's the same, like what you talk about. It's like the beginning and the end are the most important thing. Starting out strong and ending strong are the two anchors. They're like a, like the, like a barbell. Like you just want to have those super, super strong. And it's interesting because it's the same thing that, that, um, the comedians do. Right. So if, if you if you listen to all the comedians and you hear all their advice, when they what the, the first minute of a, of a of a comic routine or a bit or like if you've got 10 minutes, that first 30 seconds to a minute, don't waste it on. Hey, hey, nice to be here. Kind of thing like really come out the gate and smash them in the head. Right. Because that sets the tone for the rest of it. And I really like your idea of this. Let's just you know, practice that intro 50 times. I mean, there, that just is so powerful. So do, what, how do you recommend people start? Is there a certain kind of formula or, you know, how, how do you, how do you, how do you start with the corners? What, what's sort of the process for that? Yeah, for sure. So it's, so it's actually very simple. So in the context of pitching, you know, you want to dive right into the problem that you're solving for. Convince us right away that there, this is something I need to be paying attention to especially in the context of technology, because you go through hundreds of deals. But this applies for any type of presentation. Get us excited from the first minute that you open your mouth. Don't start your presentations like this. Hey, guys, uh, it's Brandon here, and today we're going to talk about something you don't care about. Instead, we can focus on the pain point that we're solving for. A small story, a quote. There's no right answer here. And I have a video on this. Like there's different ways you can like introduce like complimenting your key decision makers or something like that. But you want to start with something where people go, oh wow, I should probably pay attention. This is not the regular presentation. This is not the same boardroom presentation. So the way that I started to give a personal example, my keynotes, I don't start my keynotes with, yeah, so I'm a communication expert and no, 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 it's boring. And so I go, I say, I say something like this. When I was five years old, growing up in a city like Montreal, my parents looked at me and said, well, Brendan, you need to learn French, so we're going to put you in a French education system. Except one problem. I didn't know a word of French. So my whole life, not only was I comfortable with presentations, because I wasn't like most, I had to give presentations in a language I didn't even know. And then I go on to like explain the thesis of the YouTube channel. But the idea is simple. It's interesting. You kind of just go, oh. If this guy presented in a language, he didn't even know. I could probably master communication too. What is that idea for your startup, for your company, for your ideas? Yeah, yeah. I I, I call that the big idea. And what's interesting is that not a lot of startups know what the, their big idea is. And it's interesting because they've spent years years on on the code (laughs) you know and you're like well in 10 seconds tell me why do i care and a lot of them will just go down the tech track like well we're gonna be the 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 other one i don't like is we're the uber of blah or we're the (laughs) salesforce of blah and you're like salesforce yeah you're the that you're just the blah of the blah right (laughs) and it's just 
so tried and true that that'll happen because, you know, again, like VCs, you know, uh, I'm not no slide on you, but they're, they have their attention span is way, way worse than a goldfish. Oh, I and, agree. And and they will just be like, it, they will tune. I remember, I remember I w- when I would go to one of these VC meetings and we would have an hour and a half, which is the standard kind of thing when we actually got to go and present. And I could, you know, I could tell we lost, we would lose them within the first five minutes. Oh, yeah. And they'd be like on their phone and da, 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 whatever, like, you know, like bored. Right. And <laughs> you know, I actually had a friend that when he saw that happen, he would just say, okay, I guess we're done now and walk out because he's like, well, wh- why am I sitting here spotting off when you're just sitting there, you know, texting or whatever. Right. It's like one, it's rude, but two, I mean, you know, like they do have stuff that, you know, I mean, it is <laughs> a sign of the times uh, because um, that sort of distraction and the amount of digital distraction, as well as people's attention span, like you do got to hook them. You're right. Um, wow. yeah, and just building on that. And I, and I'm, I love the, the VC knowledge here. It's you're absolutely right. You know, they go through hundreds of deals. So you need to make sure that you can summarize everything in one sentence. And the best way to do that, right. Is, is to understand why you need to do that. Especially if you're a technical founder, there isn't simple. Just because you know your tech stack doesn't mean I do, right? Just because you're very deep into your project. I've been looking at your company for three seconds and pitching and communication is not just about the demo day thing that most technical people don't care about. It's about this understanding that every moment you open your mouth is a pitch. When you're pitching new employees to join you, when you're pitching investors to get into your company, when you're pitching other co-founders, you're always pitching customers. Everything that you do is a pitch. So you need to understand how to simplify and explain a business that you're working on in 10 to 15 seconds. And if you can't do that, your chances of you being successful is very low. Oh, yeah. Even, you know, I always say, explain it to your grandmother and talk, talk like you're talking to an eighth grader. Even if you're talking to some PhD, MD, JD, alphabet soup person, because, soup you know, because <laughs> I mean, right. You know, the, the Harvard, Stanford, well, you know, pick, pick your favorite Ivy league with yeah, whatever, yeah, 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 whatever yeah. alphabet soup is after their name, even though they intellectually are superior and could probably understand, you know, 25 cent words that are five syllables that come from some Greek, you know, whatever, <laughs> Their, 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 their amount, right. Their amount of cognitive overload is so high that getting through the noise is just the hardest thing. And I, I remember trying to coach this one founder. They had a PhD in electrical engineering from like Ivy super smart and just could not explain what they did to save their life. Because they thought if they explained it simply that they were dumbing it down. And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> it matters what the people on the other side of the microphone or the other side of the Zoom call are understand. It, it, it's it's about it, it it's not actually what you say, it's what is heard. And and that is super powerful. Right. So I can I can see, yeah. Wow. There's an easy fix also for technical founders, because I hear that a lot too. The fix is simple. Go up to the 10 number one fans, like the people who love what you do, who understand what you do, who aren't as technical as you. That's important. 
mm-hmm. have dinners with them and just ask them the simple question. If you were to explain your my idea back to me, how would you explain it? They will all ten of them. I can guarantee, unless they're one of the co-founders of the company. If you're talking to someone who's outside the organization who care, who's like an investor or a customer, they'll never explain it as technical. They'll be like, "Oh well, it's like a platform that does this." And you're like, "Well, no, it's not a platform. It's actually." And then you go, "Wait a second, I got to shut up now." Yeah, because yeah. all of them. I'll give you a concrete example here. Demonstrate this. I always love using to love to use Airbnb. Mm-hmm. When Airbnb started. Everyone knows this. You know, staying at a stranger's house and paying them for it isn't a new concept. VRBO existed before, HomeAway existed. There's already platforms who did this. So why did Airbnb scale that? Because they understood what they were trying to do. What they were trying to do was build trust at scale. Right. They were designers. They weren't like technical engineers, except for Nathan, who's one of the co-founders. But they did is when they were in YC, Y Combinator, they flew out to New York. They met a bunch of the people who were using their platform. And they realized when talking to them, the Airbnb was not about buying and selling, you know, spaces in the world. It was about how do you create a world where people trust and belong with one another? Because if that world existed, Airbnb would be a hundred billion dollar company because everyone would be comfortable doing that type of transaction. You do not get that insight by just having technical conversations about your website and your tech stack with your team. You get that insight by talking to the super fans, the people who are actually using your service. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, the the whole uh, advice on the answer is not in the building is what we used to always get told anytime we were going to build a new feature for some something, because you may think as you, as you, as you put, you may think that you know what they want, but you never know until you ask someone. And I think that's part of this communication thing. That's super important. And I, again, I like the, the whole corners, like, you know, start, start, start with the, with the start and the, in the end, because those are the most important things. And I always like to think of it as uh, having someone ask you this, the most important question they can ask you, which is tell me more. If yep. your pitch, your, your, your intro, your 10 to 15 or 30 second intro can get someone to say, tell me more, then you're in. Because now that you've got permission to like ramble. <laughs> I agree. Like, absolutely. Like what you said there was gold. Like, it's like me, right? I, I'm guilty as charged. I do the same thing, right? So let's say my one sentence is just, hey, my name's Brendan. I make YouTube videos on public speaking. They go, you're a YouTuber? Tell me more. That's it. Like, <laughs> then yeah. Go, la, 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 and then you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I wonder why, why do you think people are so afraid of public speaking? Mm, that's the golden question. And I have a good answer, hopefully. Yeah, cool, cool. So, I, so I've asked myself this question a lot myself. I was like, why, why is it that we're all scared of communication? I have an answer. We need to first ask ourselves, going from first principles, where do we give most of our presentations? It's probably where the answer is. For most of us, whether you live in Japan, whether you live in the States, whether you live in China, is school. High school, mm. college, university. And that's where the answer lies. And the reason is because we don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Jerry, uh, Jerry, sorry, you want to get a breakfast and present all day? Not <laughs> thing. Nobody does, especially if you're a technical founder. No, it's no. definitely not something you do. So, so we're sitting in high school together, let's say me and you, and teacher looks at us and goes, 
you know, Joe, I need you to do a presentation on the Renaissance. And you're thinking, there, okay, is this like a fruit? And then you realize it's a time period in history. Right. So three things happen in that environment. One, you never get to pick the topic. And if you do, it's generally something you're not passionate about, going back to the Renaissance. Number two, students in the class don't care to listen to you. Not because they don't care about you. Not because you're a bad speaker. Because they got to present 10 minutes after you and talk about Egypt. That's <laughs> exactly. the reason. So one of this, it, school is one of those weird environments where you're presenting to other presenters. It's very bizarre. Whereas in most situations when you give a presentation, like now in our conversation, there's not anybody – like the people who are listening to us aren't going on this podcast right after. right? It's, that's not the thing. They're just soaking up the knowledge. Number three, teachers. Teachers are very well-intentioned, very well-educated, but also very stressed. If you got 70 students in a classroom, you got to go through all of their presentations. Do you have time to coach everyone one-on-one? Probably not. So let's mm-hmm. recap this. In almost 100% of all of the presentations you've given in your life, three things have happened. You've been presenting to topics you don't care about, to students who don't care to listen to you, to teachers who are too stressed to coach you, and this behavior gets repeated in everything. Math, sciences, languages, gym, music, on and on and on and on. We're taught to believe that public speaking is a chore. If you're at school, it's tied to a grade. If you're at work, it's tied to a result. And if you fail at any part of that journey, you get punished for it. And that's the punchline, Jerry. We need to understand that the fear of public speaking has nothing to do with us, but rather the system in which we grew up learning it in the first place. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm a little, I have a little different attitude about it. Like I like to speak in front of people. It's I'm weird, I guess that way. (laughs) If someone's like, Oh, go give a presentation in front of 50 random people. I'm like, sure, not a problem. But you know, talk to someone one-on-one and share feelings. Oh man, that freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. right. So let's build on that. Maybe not the feels thing. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You got to go see a therapist. Or yeah, something. No, <laughs> I see one. I see okay. one already. So. <laughs> so so the other part of it is why, why are you comfortable speaking while most aren't and who are technical? The reason has everything to do with just perception. The way that you're framing the problem is different. So going back to the chore thing, most technical founders or anybody really sees public speaking as a chore. So they yeah. go, well, it's not fun. I don't want to do it. Whereas if you ask 13-year-old Julia, who's an introvert, but for some reason likes theater, when you ask Julia, you're like, why do you like theater? You're, 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 not, you're very shy usually. She won't answer with, well, you know, I hate theater. It scares me. No, no. She goes, well, theater is fun, Brendan. I get to share an idea. I get to entertain people. I get to make them laugh. Even if it's the same thing. It's all about reframing public speaking as a way to make a difference rather than a fear-mongering chore. That's why the question I always ask everyone when I start my coaching is the following. How would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? Hmm. And by reflecting on that question, you slowly start Hmm. to realize that communication has very little to do with presentations. It's everything that you do. The way that you negotiate deals, the way that you talk about your startup, the conversations that you have, the loved ones that you talk to, every interaction you have is public speaking communication. Once you understand that and you're clear about who you want to be as a founder in your company, it's a lot easier to tie the dots, connect everything together and present like a champion. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's a good point. No, I, I, I didn't. I mean, I, I don't. Well, I didn't really think of it that way, but I do see the point of everything relates to communicating ideas, no matter what they are. Uh, I know my uh, my soon-to-be stepdaughter, who's who's eleven. Anytime she wants to like negotiate something or convince me or my fiance Minerva, um, you know, she, she's actually really good at it because even she, your wife has a cool name. I <laughs> yeah, I know. This I know. Crazy, I know. She's, she's awesome. No, she's <laughs> awesome. Um, but what's funny is, is that, uh, you know, for whatever reason, she's, she's really good at it like one-on-one and she'll, she is very persuasive and her vocabulary is really large because she reads a lot. I think she reads probably at the college level by now. She just, she reads more books in a month than I read in a year. <laughs> I mean, she just grinds. That makes two of us, man. Yeah. I mean, just like crazy. It's in it. And what's interesting is that that, that actually frames how she talks, how she communicates. Um, but you know, when we, you're right. When we, when we, when we teach kids this, especially they're like, Oh, I got to give a presentation immediately, immediately. It's this absolute chore. It's stress and strain and like this whole thing, like, Oh my God, I got to give this, you know, whatever. How do we solve that? Super easy. So I'm always proud to say that my most successful client is six years old. It's one of my executives is kids. And when I realized from like, I have like a kid's program where I coach a couple of them just to understand their psychology. Mm-hmm. And what I learned from that is simple. You can take this. If you're an educator listening, you're someone who coaches kids. Here's the trick. The trick is simple. Treat them like adults. So for example, when I met my six-year-old, you know, friend, I guess we're best friends, you know, I got on a call with her and I just said, I asked her the one question no educator would ask her, which is, what do you care about? What are you passionate about? And she just looked at me and she was like, I like school. And I was like, tell me more. She's like, I like my first day of school. I was like, why don't you make a presentation around that? She was like, cool. She started singing the wheels on the bus go around and around. She had, she had like a professional mic and everything. She was a killer, way better than her dad. And I always, <laughs> and I always, I always tell him that because he's like an executive of some tech company. Yeah. But was, the point that I'm driving is simple. This is not an exception. This should be the norm. Yeah. Like if we all just simple, like here's the easiest fix. Why don't you just get them to present a topic that they want to present Yeah, and, and treat them maturely. So let's say, for example, when they make a mistake in the present, I let them know. I go, hey, let's call her Julia. You should just change this up so that way you can communicate what you wanted to communicate better. You want to talk about school? You want to inspire people to like education? How about we tweak this? She's going to be way more open to it versus if I said, well, Julia, you got to talk about Shakespeare. She's like, Shakespeare? she's like six she's like what is that like on youtube i was like no youtube right you know what i mean yeah you know what boggles my mind man is this is not hard no i know no i'm with you i'm with you i I find it crazy that nobody else on youtube teaches this stuff for free i'm just like hello we could just educate every kid to not be scared of public speaking i mean yeah i mean that's the same with entrepreneurs like again the stuff that i teach them it's not, this isn't rocket science. This is like, tell a story. Story has three parts, three acts typically, right? There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Your story has to have that. You cannot not have that. Like all good stories throughout history and time, that's the way. If you're going to persuade someone, Aristotle, pathos, ethos, logos, 
I, I done make this stuff up. It's not like I'm like some genius. That's the way it goes. The pathos is emotion. The ethos is your credibility. The logos is the logic, right? Simple. I mean, it's not quote, it's simple for us, but it's like this mind blowing thing. You mean I have to, I have to talk about emotions and like why you should buy my, I'm like, yeah, nobody, nobody cares about what all the fancy dancy features. They want to like feel it in their gut. Same with speech, same with the talk. I know that uh, a lot of times, you know, like I, I talk about my late wife all the time, Jane, you know, she, she passed away uh, three and a half years ago from leukemia. And every time I talk about her, at least in the beginning, it was really hard because it's emotional, right? And when we talk about emotional things and have to give emotional presentations uh, in a, a group, I remember when I had to give her eulogy. Now, I hope no one <laughs> listening ever has to give a eulogy for their for their wife, especially their 36-year-old wife. But, you know, I had to do this. And because, I, one, I wanted to, and two, I felt it was my obligation. And in this cer- cer- certain sense, you know, I'm her husband. I need to send her off, so to speak. Um, and I remember I was talking to my friend Danny. I said, Danny, I got to do this eulogy. I don't know how I'm going to get through it without breaking down. And he's like, and I had written something. He looks at it and he's similar to you. He's like really good at presenting and speaking and like organizing. And, and he's like, well, Jari, he's like, well, you know, you got to start with a story. And I should know this, right? Like uh, this is my job, but I hadn't occurred to me to have a through line. Start with a story and end with the story, right? Or have the same story as this through line. And I remember we go, um, I'm at this apartment. We're sitting down, we're eating dinner, we're we're drinking wine when I used to drink wine, I don't drink anymore for, for various reasons, which we I ta- I've talked about. Um, and he sits down with my speech and he's like a coach, he's coaching me. And he's like, you need to start off with a joke. And I'm all, a joke? <laughs> this is hell? this is a eulogy. Like This gets crazy. Yeah, right? I'm like, there's going to be 250 people here all staring at me, the widower. And I have to like not lose my shit, honestly. And I have to like captivate. I mean, they're all going to be looking at me. Like there's not, not a single person that has not their eyes going to be on me because I'm her husband. I'm the widower. I'm the one like, you know, and he's like, no, trust me. Like you have to start with a story that shows her spirit. And again, this is different for everyone. Like, you know, for, but, but like, make sure you start with something that, shows the emotion of how you felt about her. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How the hell do I do that? I'm like, you know, I'm like, holy shit. Like you're, you're insane. Yeah, clearly. But he, but he kept pushing me on it. And he said, look, this is the reason why you need to do this. He's, he's like, you have to put some, something that people can grab onto that. Of course, everyone's going to listen to every word you say, because you know, you're the grieving widower and you're about ready to give her eulogy. He's like, but, but the important thing for you, and this is why, this is what blew me away. He's like, but this is for you. It's like, you need those beats in this thing so that you can catch yourself and you can regroup so that it's just not this absolute cry fest and you're blubbering. You're going to just be this blubbering idiot. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. Like if I, 
was going to continue on and what I was talking about, I was just going to cry the whole time. He's like, yeah, he's like, it's for you. And when I thought about it, I'm like, wow, you know, not only is communication for the person that we're talking to, like you and I are talking, but it's also for the person talking. The amount of clarity you get when you have to explain something to somebody is just beauty and gold. I mean, it, it makes you a better person. And, and I'm curious if, if you found that, like as you coach people and they learn how to talk and, and, and like, you know, distill, do they just get better at explaining or do they just, do they feel, how, how does it make them feel? Yeah. You can think of it like the evolution of ideas, you know, and you start with when you explain something, you know, you, you don't really know how to explain it. Right, like when you started with the example yeah. that you gave, that was very powerful. Thanks for sharing that. Or really, just you know, you're you're running a company and you just don't know. Like when I started Master Talk, I had no idea how to explain it. Kind of just said, ah, you know, it's this thing I'm doing in my basement. And they're like, Wait, what are you doing in your basement? I was like, yeah, I got a phone. They're like, are you calling people in your basement? <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't know what's happening. But then as the conversations with other people who wanted to hear my ideas when I had like what 17 subscribers or something. That's when I start to really shift and it transformed from, uh, you know, master of something in my basement, I don't know, to what it is today, which is a movement of ideas. If we lived in a world where everyone could share their ideas, we would all realize that all of our ideas matter and that we all matter too. Yeah. And then from that movement creates the YouTube channel. I want to be the bridge for all those people, but you don't get there right away. No, <laughs> right? No. Even for the communication guy, you don't, you definitely don't get there right <laughs> Yeah. It's a totally. process. Same thing with Airbnb. There, I mean, Airbnb is like this, like in gold. Hey guys, we should like give breakfast to everyone or else we don't let them stay in our house. Like it's so weird. And then over time it evolves to, we want to create a world where everyone belongs anywhere. Once again, not an overnight process. You get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're actually a really good example that one of the best stories I've heard about them in the founding of, of Airbnb, when they were trying to raise money because they were going broke. Yeah, the <laughs> they, Obama O's. The Obama O's and the McCain somethings. They sold yeah. breakfast cereal, which killed it. killed it. I mean, that's why, I think that's why they either got into Y Combinator or yep. someone put money. Yeah, I think that yep. was the that's reason That's exactly why. what happened, yeah. And so, um, yeah, you know, I mean, they, for whatever reason, even, I mean, so, you know, you talk about communicating through words. Well, they also communicated through actions in, in unique a unique and novel way. And, and do, do you, do you also, when it comes to the coaching for, you know, public speaking, it, it, do you also have, like, do you throw in like the mannerisms, how, like, what to do, how, you know, how to, I wouldn't say present me. Well, maybe it is also presenting yourself. Is there, is there some guidance on that too? On how to present oneself, you mean? Yeah. So if you look at your Instagram as an example, <laughs> There, you don't have a bad Instagram shot. You look yeah. at my Instagram and it's this, you know, old gray bearded guy, you know, doing stupid stuff. <laughs> you are pretty polished with suits and ties and bow ties. I mean, like it's, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like but, but the, the, this guy, Gosh, that I, um, that oh, I, I know uh, Gosh, don't worry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hook him, he'll hook him. No, no, this guy, uh, Gosh, that I'm a mentor, and he's trying to do some stuff about style and men and everything. And I'm like, oh, you got to talk to talk to you because I mean, is it part of it too? Because I know when I looked at the videos, 
they're very well now the, the latest ones are very well yeah, done the latest one. yeah and they look they look like could be at the white house yeah i appreciate it. definitely not at the white house trust <laughs> me but but i think the idea that that i think is worth mentioning is is the following framework what ideas do you want to share who do you want to share them to and what mediums are the best people to reach them okay so let's start with the first one what are the ideas so in my case you know it's communication information Second part is who's going to hear them. So that's going to be a wide range of people. We're going to have six-year-olds who watch my stuff. There's 60-year-old executives who watch my stuff. Like it's the full range. So what is the best medium and how is the best way to communicate with them? So definitely YouTube because YouTube is universal. A lot of people watch it. And the best way to teach something like public speaking is through video. You need to actually see me do it. But the reason I went with the soup shot was for two reasons. One, just to be different because nobody else does it. But the second one is just, well, it, it allows me to elevate the actual age that I am. So executives think I'm in my 30s when they look at me or late, late, late 20s. So they take me seriously. And the people who are younger than me just watch my stuff. So that's basically what led to that decision. But for, for your ideas, that's going to be different. And and honestly, the the Instagram that's just more having fun. I'm not really strategic with that. My friend just <laughs> likes suits. He's he's actually like Gosh. He's the same thing. He does the same thing. Oh yeah. He's like what? He's also a videographer and a barber. Oh, okay. He's like, he's like my all in one. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty. I'm because I was looking at. It, I go wow, like yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't a- guess that I was in the ecosystem for startups. Just, <laughs> well, yeah, you you you're the the most well dressed startup guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no, that's you know. actually true. <laughs> right, I'll actually it's like, take that one. Yeah, t shirt, you know, and a pair of jeans is like in a hoodie, like what I'm wearing, right? But so, okay, so it so the dress and the mannerisms obviously depend on the audience. Um, my guess is you probably you help people with that as well. I mean, you know the way that I think about it. I mean, sure, I can help people with their their dresses and stuff and what they wear, but I, but I think the big thing that I give them is the boost of confidence. Mm. Like at the end of the day, if you know, if I can convince you, whether it's through this conversation or through the YouTube videos, if you end up watching them, that you can master communication. I've done my job. Mm. Then you're going to communicate your ideas however way you want. You know, whether it's with a T-shirt. I mean, today I've shown up in. You know, probably stuff that I've found on the street or something. <laughs> Thank God different. we're not releasing this video. Yeah, it's just like this guy doesn't have a shirt on. What's wrong? With you? Right? But yeah, I think the idea is just once you have that confidence, then you can show up however you want. Like for me, like I'm I'm happy to show up like this, and sometimes I wear a premium turtlenecks. I guess it depends how I'm feeling that day. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean it is interesting how the confidence. Uh, goes into it. I remember I was uh gonna do a pitch. Uh actually won a con one won the opportunity to pinch at something called Launch Festival, which is here in San Francisco. Cool. And uh I was you know I've done this a lot, right? So but I'm super nervous because it's launch. I mean this is a lot of people, it's this huge room. And uh what's interesting is that it was for Lab Lab Sensor Solutions, which is this company that I formed. And uh I had a lab coat on because <laughs> it was, we were part of like labs, you know, we, 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 we dealt with labs and I remember going up there and I'm going to plug my computer in and do the slide deck, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I plugged the computer in and I had a Mac and I see the pinwheel of death and the pinwheel of death 
if anyone knows what this is, it just sat there and spun and the computer froze. And I'm supposed to give this presentation in like 20 seconds and it's done. I'm like, what do I do? Right. Oh my gosh. Like I have to do something. And what was interesting is because I was in a lab coat, <laughs> I felt like empowered for whatever. I don't know why I felt empowered. Right. So I literally ditched the, ditched the, the slides. I just got up and I said, well, Hey, I'm just going to talk about what we do. Uh, and I actually ended up winning, which was really cool. But what that taught me was this confidence that you talk about. Um, that confidence came from preparation and it came from practice. So do you, how, how do you, how do you kind of, when you talk to your clients, you, you said like the one you gave was like, uh, do the intro 50 times, do the outro 50 times. How, how, what other kind of tips do you have on practice? Yeah, absolutely. So, so definitely practicing the right way helps in the sense that if you're only practicing, if you're practicing a bunch of different presentations, you won't go far in public speaking. The goal is to present one thing a hundred times. All the best speakers in the world do it. So as, the, as somebody who wants to get better, we need to do the same thing. So if you're the CEO of a company or a founder, you want to understand that by practicing on a single pitch a hundred times, you're going to get better much faster. But the other part that you mentioned is this idea of confidence. Where does confidence even come from? It comes from two areas. The first one is like you, you alluded to, preparation. Simple, you practice more, you achieve more. But the second part, nobody talks about. And no, it's not drinking a glass of water or breathing or power posing your way to success. All oh, that's BS garbage that doesn't work. What works is the following. What do you actually believe in? The people who are great communicators, I've found, have a belief system in the ideas they want to share with the world. They have a unique point of view on how the world should be. And I'm a good example of this. I mean, I started master once again, I was 22. I started coaching executives when I was 23. Who the hell am I to share this stuff with people? <laughs> yes. It's like, why would they listen to me? They're they're like, you know, in their 30s or 40s, like you are. And it's like, why would they listen to me? Right. Yeah. But that's the thing. So, how did I get the confidence? One was preparation. I wasn't dumb. Like I had presented a lot. I had the knowledge. But the second part is because I knew why I was doing it. You know, the 16-year-old girl who can't afford me, who needs to become a leader, who wants to do something big with her life, she needs access to me even if she can't afford me. So she needs my video. She needs my resources. She needs me to take time out of my life to make these videos for her. But if I don't have the executive coaching fees that I charge people, I can't make those videos, right? Because yeah, they're not cheap. True. Right. So it wasn't really about, oh, like I'm not confident. So I'm going to just go power pose and figure this out. No, no, no. It's like, <laughs> I need to figure it out. Right. I know how to deliver the result. Let's get it done because I need that capital so I can reinvest it in the point of view of what I want in the world, which is every single person who grows up should have access to free tools. And it drives me crazy that nobody else has democratized it up until this point. So the question you need to ask yourself is what do you believe in? What are you willing to stand for? And is that belief strong enough for the fear to lose? I always say, if your fear and your message were in a boxing fight, make sure your message wins. Because if the fear wins, you'll never win. Wow. Well, Brendan, that's a great place to end. That that was a pretty powerful uh, closing. <laughs> it's like you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on that note, that's that's funny that you mentioned that. It's like, that's exactly why we're able to communicate our ideas at this level. Right. I've been I ask I get asked the same questions over and over and over again. So yeah. why do I still show up with the same level of enthusiasm? 
because even if I'm communicating the same thing that I've been communicating probably 200 times now, it's new to you. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. And, and you passionate about it and you, you've got a good why and you know, you're down the path. So Brendan really appreciate your time. It's been a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to diving more into master talk on your YouTube channel, which I'll put a link in the show notes and everything. And uh, hopefully you and gosh can connect too. Of course I got to Minerva, <laughs> gosh, yeah. it's like all these super cool peeps. Yeah, for sure. Take care. Take care, brother. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.